You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. All right, so Matt, knock, knock. Who's there? I'm afraid of owls. <laughs> I'm afraid of owls who? Ah! <laughs> <laughs> Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the graveyard. Thank you for joining us tonight. My name is Adam. And my name's Matt. Now, pull up a tombstone or settle into your casket and get comfortable because this is Graveyard Tales. everybody here we are again matt how you doing tonight brother hey i'm good man good 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 so y'all haven't noticed it but we haven't recorded in a little bit because uh matt was on vacation and i i'm about to be on vacation so that july is always that month for us that we go little stretches without recording so it feels good to be back doing this after a week or so off um, but we want to go, we want to say, go check out the Podbelly network at podbelly.com. You can find a list of shows that we're happy to be associated with. And, you know, I guarantee you, you're going to find something on there that you will enjoy listening to that you might not find anywhere else. We also will talk more about it coming up shortly, but, uh, we want to say, go check out the podcast history for weirdos. We'll tell you all about that in just a second while you're online looking up best places to eat Mexican food, uh, whatever. That's what I do. I don't know what y'all do, but <laughs> I'm, I'm a food freak. I'm sorry. Go over to patreon.com slash graveyard tales and sign up to become a patron. Um, there's three different levels. Our $10 a month usually gets the video version of us recording the episode and they get an ad free version of the main episode plus the bonus episode. Um, and you know, we, we do different stuff on there. Like we, we talk about sometimes we'll do a continuation of the main episode, but a lot of times it's just random things that Matt and I find interesting and we do a little research on and talk about, or if we go on vacation and have anything funny happen, we'll tell you about our vacation too. So you get a little behind the scenes catch up. It's real casual, and and we've also just started doing uh, monthly news of the weird, mm-hmm. which we we shot out there, and it got a uh, it got a lot of positive feedback. So we're we've brought it back, and uh, it, it gets pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, I enjoy it. I, I enjoy that one, and it's a it's a good break from other research, and you just get to hear some weird stuff that happens. All right, so let's take a second and talk about a podcast that you guys need to go check out, and that is History for Weirdos. And are you a history buff with a passion for the peculiar? Do you love bringing up random historical facts at dinner parties? I know I do. Or do you just like learning about the neglected parts of history? 
If you answered yes, then History for Weirdos is the podcast for you. Get ready to dive into a world of historical oddities and overlooked tales. Listen to History for Weirdos, the podcast that brings you the strange, obscure, and utterly fascinating stories from the past. Co-hosted by husband and wife duo Andrew and Stephanie, they cover everything from unsolved mysteries in bizarre places to quirky historical figures to unsung heroes. Some of the episodes these two have covered so far include The Great Emu War, The World's Most Haunted Island, and professional poisoner, Julia Tefani. For a fun, entertaining, and lighthearted look into human history, listen to History for Weirdos with new episodes out each Monday. So, Matt, that's all I've got for intro and the housekeeping. So why don't you tell us, what are we talking about tonight, brother? Okay, so tonight... We're going to look at uh, a phenomenon that Adam and I have, have we've talked about for years. Yep. Um, but we we felt like now was a good time to to dig into it because of all the uh, all the stuff it touches on is right in our wheelhouse. You know, ancient alien type stuff, um, uh, anthropology, you know, extraterrestrials, and what our focus is going to be tonight giants oh yeah and and were there giants you know when when were they <laughs> and and yes and a while they? back were were they human were they extraterrestrial um the, the theories are all over the map uh but i think you're going to be surprised at the evidence that we have that yes indeed there were some uh there were some pretty big people walking around yep. You know, centuries ago. And you might be surprised at our thoughts at the end of this episode. Mm, yeah, but that's right. Then again, you we may hope, not be. We hope you are. We're going to go just totally off the rails. Yeah. You know, you're you're going to be completely shocked. So it'll be. There's a, some people right now that are, they're they're thinking, we got to fast forward to the end of this <laughs> show. You know, they're, they're going to go berserk. Yeah. I mean, that's just a normal Graveyard Tales episode anyway, isn't it? <laughs> kind of. <laughs> So, as we always say, go check our sources down in the bottom of the show notes. You can find where we found all the information, and you can continue because there is no way that we can cover everything related to giants throughout history. Oh, yeah, no. It, no. <laughs> it would take a whole series. Like, it might take us a year to get through every find, every historical writing, every everything so go check our sources and you can continue the research for a long time if you would like <laughs> um, yeah remember way back when we used to say we were the cliff notes versions of some of these topics yeah we're the cliff notes yeah certainly this is, on this this yeah. is gonna wet your appetite i assure you and it's still probably gonna be a long one and it's still just oh, yeah. the cliff notes um but we will try however to cover some of the most important points some of the juiciest points and some of the points that, like Matt said, it'll it'll wet your whistle there for for some more. So first, I, I want to go through. There's a ton of writing, uh, historical writings about giants. So I want to go through a couple. Um, this is a Greek historian, uh, Solonus, from AD 200, that wrote this. 
He said, before there were any humans on Pallene, the story goes that a battle was fought between the gods and the giants. Traces of the giants' demise continue to be seen to this day. Whenever torrents swell with rain and excessive water breaks their banks and floods the fields, they say that even now, in gullies and ravines, the people discover bones of immeasurable enormity, like men's carcasses, but far bigger. Yeah. Yeah, we're essentially, you know, we're talking about like um, you know, the 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 Titans uh-huh. and you know the the Greek gods, the the Roman gods. I think that I think the Roman version of that is more commonly known, but and the the Cyclops know. was supposed to be a huge a, a giant with one eye. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And for so many years, we have you've all thought these were just amazing stories, you know that, you know the the idea of of a giant with one eye, you know, eating humans. That mm-hmm. was just excellent storytelling. Sure. Yep. But what do we know about great story te- storytellers? They, they tell about what they see and they embellish it. Right. So, well, there's some, was there a really good chance that there was some big giant one eyed guy walking around, you know, and, or or a or a complete race of them, mm-hmm. you know, and and the embellishment is that well they're really big and they eat humans, right, right, that they're so, forty feet tall or some mm-hmm. something like that. So don't really need an explanation of what giants are, but in folklore, giants are beings of human like appearance, but are at times prodigious in size. This says and strength, or bear an otherwise notable appearance. So, didn't need it, but I thought I'd throw it in there anyway. Now, there are a lot of biblical references to giants. I mean, Mm -hmm. David and Goliath is the first one that everybody would think of. Even if you have never read the Bible, you have heard of David and Goliath. Well, the Nephilim are actually another uh, race of giants. And the Nephilim are mentioned just before the flood account in Genesis 6, 4. And it states the Nephilim were on the earth in those days. And also afterward, when the sons of God went into the daughters of humans who bore children to them, these were the heroes that were of old warriors of renown. So they're also mentioned again in Numbers 13, 32 through 33, as Israelites prepared to enter the land of Canaan. It says, so they brought to the Israelites an unfavorable report of the land that they had spied out, saying, quote, the land that we have gone through as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants, and all the people that we saw in it are of great size. There were uh, there we saw the Nephilim, the Anakites come from the Nephilim, and to ourselves we seemed like grasshoppers, and so we seemed to them. So it's saying that the size difference, they were like grasshoppers to these Nephilim. Mm-hmm. So some scholars have argued that the, quote, fallen mighty men in Ezekiel thirty-two twenty-seven is an indirect reference to the Nephilim, as, they, uh, as the phrase in Hebrew is somewhat ambiguous. Now, also, not just about biblical references, but a long time before the Inca reigned, 
there were in those parts men in the manner of giants as grown as they showed the figures that were sculpted in the stones. And this is from Pedro de um, César de León, Cronica de Peru, in, from 1553. Mm-hmm. So in 1553, he wrote that before the Inca were there, there were a race of giants in that right. land. So, And there's, there's Native American folklore from multiple tribes that discuss... Um, a, a large giant that was an enemy to them uh-huh. that was cannibalistic. Um, I mean, you, you go back and look, I mean, it, it's like, it's, but it's like a giant native American, right? Like a, a giant right. human, you know, that's just crazed and you see it. It, I mean, it may have a, a little bit different wording, but it's the same premise, you know, throughout, you know, many tribes folklore. Right. Now, I found a couple articles that I wanted to read through. This first one is by Adam Stokes. And I want to read through it because it they're the most thorough articles that I've found on the topic. And I'll link it in the show notes. But I also want to go through it here to preface Matt's accounts that he's going to talk about. Uh, so Adam Stokes says, giants were here. In using the term giants, I'm referring to persons of at least seven feet and up to 13 feet in height. So me jumping in here, don't think of these 40-foot tall people. We're talking 7 to 13-foot tall. Uh Um, And I'll get into why, because he goes on to say that given that pre-modern man was significantly shorter on the average than we are today, you know, many athletes in modern times are 6 foot 5 inches or taller, these giants would have certainly seemed of extraordinary stature. So... He's saying that ancient humans, like I'm 6'2", Matt, you're about the same, uh, maybe a little bit taller, but um, we would be on the very high end of the normal uh, race of humans at the time. Yeah. So oh, yeah. yeah. People, people were five foot about then. So if you were talking a race of people that were 7 to 13 feet tall, they would be considered huge. I mean, right. you get a 13-foot tall person now, and they're huge. But especially like if we were a foot, foot and a half shorter, they would seem ginormous. Yeah. And, you know, that just that in and of itself, um, knowing the average size of humans you know, in that, in the, in that time frame, you know, let, let's say, you know, in, you know, the ancient, ancient Rome, you know, those kind of, and, and then leading up the, the average height of a person would, would increase gradually go from, you know, five, five, one to five, three, five, four, five, five, becoming the average. Why? Because there's intermingling, mm-hmm. there's intermating um, with races that were maybe considered giants, as Adam said, maybe they're like, you know, they look like the Harlem Globetrotters. You yeah. know, they're all like seven foot, you know, six, six, five and up. Mm-hmm. And then here's these, you know, here's this group that's, you know, five foot two, you know, on average at best. And 
you know, they begin to, you know, intermarry. And next thing you know, we've got 50 years later, we've got an average height of around five, seven, five, eight. Yeah. You know, so if you consider that, you know, you're like, yeah, I suppose there were giants, but nowadays we look at it and say, those are just really, really tall people. But, you know, think about if there was an entire race of people that were Shaquille O'Neal size, mm-hmm. that would be out of the ordinary, right? For even for us. Yeah. I mean, we look at him and we go, man, you know, he's really big. Um, you, you get up close to him like I have. And you realize how much bigger he is. And I'm not a small guy. And if he was on the low end of that spectrum. Right. So you're sitting there looking. And and for all practical purposes, from my standpoint, I'm looking at a giant. And, 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 and the one other time that I ever had this feeling is I was in high school and we had gone to Atlanta. And we the group we were with, it was, it was with my baseball team. And we we had tickets to go to an Atlanta Hawks game. How do you get an entire baseball team to an Atlanta Hawks game on the cheap? Uh, the Hawks are playing the Knicks, and the Hawks are so far out of the playoffs, they can't even smell it. Mm-hmm. So so here we are in virtually you know, a half-empty Omni in Atlanta. And me and my buddy Jeff, we sneak down, okay? And uh, we get kind of in the tunnel. Because the, it's games of blowout. Nobody cares. There's hardly anybody there. You know, the security people are kind of just like ready to go home. And we just get right up there. So at the end of the game, Patrick Ewing walks right by us. And you're up there in the stands looking down and you go, hey, he's a big, he's big guy. Yeah. And you think about it, that the guys that he's standing around, the perspective you have is he's standing around guys that are probably all 6'2 or taller. Mm-hmm. You know, and he looks big compared to them. You get up close to him, just like I did with Shaq. And I thought, man, it, you know, it really makes you feel kind of weird. So, you know, but again, what I'm getting at is if there was an entire race of people that were that size, it would be out of the ordinary even for us. And, you know, with the, with the evidence that we've, we're finding and, and the, the stories from ancient history, those people existed. Right. In, in those numbers. Right. Sorry, I didn't mean to hijack your <laughs> You're good. So this article goes on to say that an ancient race or races of giants once existed throughout the world, from China to North America, um, is a matter attested to not only in the written record of various civilizations, but in the archaeological record as well. As Jason uh, Jarrell and Sarah Farmer note, the vast number of gigantic humanoid skeletal remains excavated in the North American region alone makes it statistically highly unlikely for us to interpret all of them as a genetic anomaly, as mainstream scholars often do. Yeah, which that's I what agree that's with. what Amanda asked me. Yeah, she's like, well, "Would they just all have some kind of genetic anomaly?" I said. Well, I imagine some of them did, mm-hmm. but not all of them. No, you know, it, it would be highly unlikely, like he says, for so many people to have this genetic quote anomaly to make them that tall. You know, it it has to be a genetic normality 
in their race to mm-hmm. be that tall. Sure. This says giants were here, yet this observation leads us immediately to another problematic question. If giants as a race or races once existed in antiquity, why do they not exist now? What happened to them? What factors led to their extinction? The archaeological record largely, though not entirely, fails us in answering these questions. This is particularly evident in the work done on giant civilizations in North America. North American archaeologists and anthropologists have done amazing work addressing the unique cultural features of the Hopewell and Adena pre-Columbian peoples who were either themselves giants or direct descendants of a previous race of giants. Mm -hmm. At the same time, North American archaeology is at pains to explain the sudden disappearance of both of these civilizations sometime around 500 A.D. So if you remember the the Greek philosopher that I mm-hmm. read his quote, that was about 200. So that would only be 300 years from the time these races went extinct to him. So historically, that wouldn't have been a long time. You know, in, in the grand scheme of things, that's not a long time. Mm-hmm. So he probably does have a lot of passed down information about races of giants. And he's talking about the race of giants in North America. Well, maybe the race in Greece and and that area lived longer. I don't know. But, you know, just tying it in to what he said mm-hmm. a minute ago. Now, yeah, and and you know just because we were we were talking about it, I you know, I went to we were taught we the point was that it would be very very unlikely that all of these people would have had a, gen, a genetic anomaly. So, I I popped over to make sure my numbers were right. You know, gigantism, which is what this would be, is extremely rare. You know, I knew it was rare, but I, I didn't want to just say, hey, it's rare. Leave it at that. Approx- There's only about 100 reported cases of gigantism to date, mm-hmm. like total, which, um, you know, they do separate acromegaly from gigantism, which, you know, acromegaly is where you have elongated fingers and, oh, yeah. and yeah. you know, and feet, and you, you know, yeah you tend to be taller and everything. It was kind of longer, um, but it's more common, but it's still pretty rare. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, um, three to four, three to four cases uh, per million per year. Okay. Um, very rare. The, very, very rare. And that's acromegaly and gigantism is even more rare than that. Right. So saying that it's unlikely that they all had some kind of anomaly, that's understatement big time. Sure, sure. Now, he says, in this article, I will propose an alternative anthropological method for determining the fate of the ancient giants. Rather than attempting to interpret the sparse and inconclusive archaeological evidence, I suggest that scholars turn to ancient text and mythological or religious traditions that they contain. As Eric von Daniken notes, ancient literature, while highly mythological, often retains fact at its core, which Matt and I just mentioned and have said many times before. 
Furthermore, as von Daniken also points out, many of the narratives contained in ancient texts are themselves far more literal than modern 21st century academics give them credit for. When this material is taken into consideration, it suggests that many of the ancient giant civilizations were violent and oppressive in their culture and that eventually they were destroyed through their own violent tendencies and actions. So basically, he's saying that if you look at historical text, all writings about giants mention them being a warlike, violent culture. Right. Yeah. And this warlike, violent culture is what led to their demise. So stop being warlike and violent. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Basically, his gist is here. Um, he goes on to say that as uh, Xaviant Hayes notes in his recent work, Ancient Giants, tales and stories of giants at a universal, are a universal phenomena found in nearly every human culture throughout recorded human history. When these various accounts are examined, one common theme emerges, namely that the giants and the civilizations they created were defined by violence and bloodshed. While a comprehensive examination of giants in ancient oral and written traditions is well beyond the scope of this article, it is possible to narrow our focus here to the treatment of giants within a particular culture and their body of literature. He says, as someone with a background in biblical studies, the ancient Israelites immediately came to mind as the best candidate for such an examination. In contrast to many other ancient Near East societies, the history of ancient Israel is very well documented in both biblical, the mm -hmm. Old Testament and Hebrew Bible, and extra-biblical sources. So one of the earliest references to giants in Israel comes from the Yahwist account of the great deluge found in Genesis chapter 6. The Yahwist being one of the four authors or sources for the material in the first five books of the Old Testament that's commonly referred to as the Torah. Mm -hmm. The four-source theory was popularized in the late 19th century in the work of the famous German biblical scholar Julius Wellhausen. Uh, um, he says here they are linked to the, quote, sons of God, um, who forcefully take the daughters of men as wives. And then he references Genesis 6, 4 that I mentioned earlier. He says throughout the flood account, um, he says, though the flood account suggests that the giants were exterminated with the rest of the inhabitants of the earth, sans Noah and his family, they appear again much later in the biblical timeline in what scholars refer to as, a, as the Deuteronomic history. So in biblical studies, the Deuteronomic history refers to the material from Joshua to 2 Kings in the Old Testament. So within this history, uh, is it's undoubtedly the most famous account of a giant in biblical literature and possibly in Western culture. The violent encounter between the Israelite David and the giant, uh, the giant Goliath from Gah. So, First Samuel seventeen is where this is talked about. Mm -hmm. Right. He says it should be noted that in both the Deuteronomic history and the earlier Yahweh source, the giants are associated with heightened violence. We are provided with an explicit account regarding the fate of the pre-Diluvian giants in extra-biblical literature. In in pre-Diluvian, that's the Diluvian flood, the, the, the big flood. 
in the apocryphal book of Ecclesiasticus, included in the Catholic but not the Protestant canon of the Old Testament, we find the following statement. The giants, the ancient giants who were destroyed for trusting in their own strength were not exonerated for their sins. So basically, again, there's another reference to the fact that they were destroyed because they thought they were too strong to be destroyed. And thus their warring in violent ways is what got them killed. Now that article continues on, but I thought that was enough for our purposes here. So (laughs) again, go to the show notes and see our sources if you want to finish it. But I grabbed another article by Hugh Newman. And I want to touch on this because it's another reference to giants throughout history, but it's a little more recent and it, it is from a different part of the world. So he says that giants are at the heart of national folklore concerning the founding of Britain and archaic traditions state that they have inhabited the country since deep antiquity. Mm. So the earliest traditions agree that the first inhabitants of Britain were of the tall persuasion. I like how he puts that, the tall persuasion. (laughs) They weren't big. They were of the tall persuasion. Now he says that some say they were descendants of Noah's son, Ham, and came from Africa about 4,000 years ago. Other versions state that Noah's son, uh, Japheth, Japheth, I, I think it's Japheth. 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 Whatever. Yep. Thank you, Vacation Bible School. Hey, there you go. <laughs> there you go. I I did it. I can't remember. <laughs> and Matt, you know, I am. Jim te- Ham and Japheth. I am you had, terrible with names anyway. So then you had, you know, remember uh, the Daniel's buddies that went in the lion's den with him? Shadrach, Shadrach Meshach, Meshach, and Abednego. And Abednego. Yep. You I know, remember those. The way to remember it was. Uh, you shake, me shake, and under the bed we go. <laughs> oh, yeah. I never learned that. They had some song that yeah, had oh, yeah. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in there, and that's how I remembered it. But um, they're saying that uh, Japheth had arrived even earlier than Ham, and so it could be Japheth. But either way, it's Noah's lineage that is often said to be giants. Um, yeah. Now, it says Britain's oldest acknowledged name is thought to be taken from a prehistoric giant king called Albion, who made his way to the island after being banished from his homeland of Greece. Quote, he was begotten by the sea god whom the Greeks called Poseidon, the Romans Neptune, end quote. So in Chronicles of England, Scotland, and Ireland by Raphael Holinshed, Albion and the Giants were said to have gradually consolidated their position in Britain, ruling the land for hundreds or possibly thousands of years. Now, after a long reign, Albion went to the south of France, which was called Gaul at the time, to help his army defeat Hercules. To ensure winning, Hercules summoned his father Zeus, and a shower of stones fell from the sky. These were used as weapons against Albion, and he was defeated. However, the giant race of Britain continued for hundreds of years more, although their numbers decreased and ended up at 
the southwestern tip of Cornwall until the arrival of Brutus after the Trojan Wars. However, Britain's original name could also be from a Greek giantess called Albina. So the story of Albina has variations. One version says she was taller than average, so had, quote, giant genes. Her father, uh, Diocletian... Yeah, I imagine. Yeah. (laughs) If she was big, her genes had to be big, right? Yeah. She probably had... (laughs) Probably had big yoga pants and big dresses, too. (laughs) Her father, Diocletian, was either a Roman emperor or possibly the king of Syria. So most versions agree that her father had 33 wicked daughters, but he managed to find 33 husbands to curb their unruly ways. The daughters were displeased, and under the leadership of their eldest sister, Alba, also Albina or Albine, they plotted to cut the throats of their husbands as they slept. Quote, For this crime, they were set adrift in a boat with half a year's rations, and after a long and dreadful journey, they arrived at a great island that came to be named Albion, after the eldest. Here they stayed, and with the assistance of demons, they populated the wild, windswept islands with a race of giants. Mm-hmm. So apparently, assistance really meant mated with. Right, yeah. Um, and <laughs> with their offspring, a new ruling giant elite were founded. May so these, I assist you? Yeah. <laughs> Doth thou need assistance, milady? I would like to assist thee. That was the uh, that was the ancient version of how you doing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Doth thou need assistance? Um, he goes on to say that these giants are evident uh, evidenced in the story by huge bones that were said to be unearthed in the country during the 1400s. Now, like he said, this this echoes the story of the Grigori, or the watchers of the Bible, who mated with human women and birthed the mighty Nephilim giants, who have remarkably similar traits to their British counterparts. Mm-hmm. So the reason that out of all the stuff I, I could have picked, that I picked these two, is how well they fit together because it shows that if these are to be believed that there was a race of giants and it seems that the, the, the um, impetus for these giants was the same in most stories. Yeah. The, the gods, came down and mated with humans, creating a half-god, half-human, which became a giant. Mm-hmm. And then these giants were warlike and powerful and, and violent. Yeah. And the, the question is, is, did those giants exist even beyond the, the physical aspect of giants exist? Um. Because that really puts an extra spin on it, right? You know, mm-hmm. a, 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 a multi-theistic religion um, with human interaction uh, and, and reproduction. I mean, that, that, I mean, that's Greek and Roman mythology right there. Mm-hmm. And, and, and others, I do realize, but those are probably the most well-known. Yeah. You know, uh, Hercules and Achilles and all those, all those heroes from those stories they were demigods, you know, they were, they were stronger. They had, 
you know, it wasn't necessarily that they were giants, um, which, you know, was, was a possibility too, but uh, it was just, they had these attributes. They, they were in some ways they had um, physical superiorities to the regular human. Um, and if that was being gigantic, then I can see where that would be an advantage. Yeah. You know, um, but you know, when we look at this stuff, the, as Adam mentioned earlier, the amount of information and, and evidence that we have uncovered beyond the writings is astounding. Mm -hmm. I mean, it is jaw dropping when you pay attention to it. Um, and, and I knew there was a lot. I really had no idea of what the numbers were. Right. And, and right. it's just, it's just incredible. So I, I, I don't think going into these stories, I, I, you'll see why I think this, I don't think it's a question of, did they exist? It's, it's more of how, how did they exist? Where did they exist? And what happened to them? And what, you know, is really exactly? the question to me is what, what, how did they die out? You know, what, what right. caused that? So I have theories, but uh, yeah, I'll, I'll hold off. So let's look at some specific ones that have been evidence to discover. We're going to talk about some skeletons and we're going to talk about some other uh, physical evidence, um, not just bones, which there's a ton. Um, but in 2013, after really heavy storms in Ecuador, there was a large female skull that was found in the Aloha province. Now, scientists determined that the skull was approximately 600 years old. Hmm. And the discovery of the skull inspired a search for the rest of the skeleton. You find yeah. the skull, where's the rest of it? Yeah. And the parts were found and assembled a few weeks later, and the skeleton stood at seven foot four, which was pretty amazing considering that the average height of a woman in those days was only five foot eight. Yeah. Okay. Um, so you think seven, again, seven foot four, you're like, what? That's, you know, so not, that's not that unusual. Well, at the time, 600 years prior, it was extraordinarily unusual. Mm -hmm. Now, further, I think that's the, oh, go ahead. The, I think that's the problem. When when people think, well, giants couldn't exist. That's stupid. Quit talking about it. The what they're thinking about is the embellished stories yeah. of 30, 40 foot tall humans that when they walk through, they create earthquakes and, you know, right. they pick up humans like dolls. Yeah. Jack and, and the beanstalk. Okay? Yeah. They, you know that, that we're not talking about those. version. Right. Right. <laughs> we're talking about a abnormally large for the time and even large for now, but we're not talking about five humans high or something. We're, you know, one and a half humans maybe because, you know, they, they they say they possibly could get up to 13 foot, a 13 foot giant. That's huge. If you're only yeah five and a half foot, but I we're going we're gonna to look at something, some of them that get out of that range. Sure. You know? and, there's always and some. I would say but... those are the more of the anomalies, but there's just so many of them, mm -hmm. you know. 
So they when they when they did additional research on this one in Ecuador, um, they found five more right in the same area. And all of these skeletons were between seven and eight feet tall. And they were all buried in these very deep, elaborate graves. So there were two separate sites that made the scientists conclude that they were probably from two different tribes. But the remains of a much larger giant uh, were found in Ecuador in 1964. Father Carlos Vaca, who was a priest, uh, and he worked with the hospitals, was called in to examine some bones that had been found up in the mountains. And Vaca determined that the bones were human, despite being so incredibly large. The bones were taken to an Austrian artifact researcher named Klaus Dona, who allowed several experts to view the bones. They all came to the same conclusion. They belonged to a human who likely would have been over 25 feet tall. And they concluded that these bones were over 10,000 years old. Wow. So, you know, 25 feet tall. That's uh, you know, now, now, now we're talking Jack and the Beanstalk type stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe, maybe not quite, but you know, you, I've I've said this before. My in my head, how I picture somebody telling me something is twenty five feet tall is I use a basketball goal. I stand under a basketball goal. I know how far I am from the rim, and that's ten feet. And then mm-hmm. I just multiply it in my head to give me an idea of how tall that is. So if you do that. Think of two basketball goals on top of one another and then add half of another one. Right, right. And and then picture that in a gymnasium in your head and you and then just put a human there instead. That's what right. we're talking about. You know, that's a that's it's insane. I mean, really, to, to consider really that. You just you're just like, what? But you know, they they've got the bones and they were extraordinarily old. So, you know, the idea that there weren't those people around, they were, but I think they were the more of the anomaly. Now, the, the Dover Mound in, uh, in the state of Kentucky is a, a large Native American burial ground. Uh, it was inside they found a seven-foot tall skeleton of an Adena man. But what was more interesting is that his height was his abnormally elongated head, and he had a mm. disproportionately large torso. Yeah. And this was in comparison to, you know, his legs and everything. So he, you know, he was he was the ultimate, you know, I'm long-waisted. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like, yeah, you're almost all waist, dude, you know. So that, you know, again, seven foot, you know, okay. But you say, okay, look at this guy, you know, this, he's got this elongated head. We've not seen that before. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and what about his torso being elongated? What, what would have caused this to happen? And you, yeah, you could that's play not it head on. binding. I mean, yeah. you can do the head binding like some cultures did, but how do you elongate how do you do the torso? The, right. Yeah. And then, then you could think, okay, well, maybe this guy this was some genetic issue. This was 
a, a disease or a malady of some type that caused him to be this way. But that's not where they went originally. <laughs> they said, maybe these are extraterrestrial in origin. Uh, of course, yep. Um, but science confirmed, no, they're definitely human remains. And archaeologists today still will find similar remains in Native American burial mounds all over the country, all over the United States. Elongated head, elongated torso, mm-hmm. you know. And and that's just kind of like, wh- where, where, okay, where did these people go? And I've got a map. I'll put it in Patreon, but I've got a map showing all the giant humanoid skeletons that were discovered in North America. When you see it, you'll be flabbergasted. Mm, yeah. Yeah. It, it's, I thought he was showing me a weather map. <laughs> I was like, what is that? Um, all right, let's talk about. A giant, the the New York Giants, not the baseball team. Uh, in 1871, an archaeological dig at a Native American burial ground unearthed 200 giant skeletons. Wow. Some some of them measured up to nine feet tall. But it was also estimated that the remains could have been up to nine thousand years old. Remember the other well, the ones in Ecuador, they, they said were probably about 10,000. Mm-hmm. Um, now, at that time, that this discovery was reported in the media, but since then, the remains have disappeared. Convenient. Don't, don't forget about that. Just keep, just put a footnote, a little flag there, post-it note. Hey, the giant bones disappeared. We're going to talk about that. Quote, unquote. Yeah. Now, in some cases, it's not a skeleton that we find. It's it's other evidence. Uh, like this one. The the giant footprints that were found outside of Mapaluzi, South Africa. I know I probably, I've tried to get that name right. I probably butchered <laughs> that, but sorry. But these were found a hundred years ago by a hunter, and locals name it the footprint of God. Now, the print is 1.2 meters long. Okay, so 1.2 meters, if you're in the U.S., that's going to be a little over three feet. Okay. Now, measure uh, your foot. And uh, yeah, think about measure three your feet. Foot. <laughs> I, wear a, I wear a size 12. Uh, Matt's <laughs> is slightly larger than mine. They're, neither one of us are three feet. That's right. That's right. But they determined that if the rest of the body was sized in proportion, like this isn't Captain Caveman, like this little short ball of hair with these gigantic feet. Right. You know, as long as it wasn't that, if it was proportionate, this would have made the giant stand between 24 to 27 feet tall. Crazy. Now, the interesting thing about this footprint is it's in granite, okay, which is one of the hardest rocks on earth. And there are no chisel marks around it. So they take that to mean that whatever made the print must have stepped in the rock while it was still molten. This, I mean, this really sounds, it, it gets kind of, yeah. this is absurd to me. Yeah. But and I've looked at it and I can't wrap molten? my head around it. Yeah. Um, but they, they do believe 
that the print could be anywhere from 2 million to 3 billion years old. What kind of estimate is that? <laughs> yeah, that, that's, that's uh, I don't know. 3 billion years old? <laughs> okay. Yeah. We're really getting out. I mean, that is a stretch, but nonetheless, it's there. I, mm-hmm. And all I'm saying is that it's just a really, that, that really wide range tells them they don't have any idea how old this thing is. They just no. know it's really, really old. Um, But if that, if the correct age is at the upper end of the scale, that print uh, was made when supposedly the only life on earth was microbial. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, and you go, uh, yeah. which one is wrong? Yeah. They but, both can't be correct. So, but, but look at, at 200 million years, at 200 million years, um, it, it would only, it, it couldn't have been made by any known human ancestor. Mm-hmm. Okay. We don't, we don't have any ancestors that we know of from that time that had enormous feet or were 24 feet tall. Right. Now around the world, there have been similar footprints found embedded in age old rock in San Jose. A 2.5 meter footprint was found near a local ranch where whatever made it would have towered even over the giant from Mapaluzzi. And in the same city, another 1.5 meter footprint was found in a cliff. So again, how, how do you get these footprints? They don't look like they've been carved and you know, they've been analyzed. I mean, they, I think by this point they could tell with the technology we have, this was carved. Or weathered by erosion. When you look at that one from South Africa, it's really hard to think that occurred naturally. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a footprint. Some, in some ways it's, it's almost too good. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. Um, I agree, but I'm looking at some of the pictures now and it, it's yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's good. (laughs) I mean, it looks really good. If it came and, and out tomorrow is, that it was a complete and utter hoax, I wouldn't be surprised. No, no, I, not at all. It, it looks like something stepped in concrete. Mm-hmm. You know how when you step in concrete, concrete, good. I step in concrete all the time. I stepped in concrete, and you you squish the concrete out in front of your foot because of the way you roll your foot as you mm-hmm. step. Mm-hmm. So you get the bump. It there's that bump in front of the toes. Mm-hmm. So whatever happened, whenever it happened, this rock was liquid in one form or another. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, it squished the rock out like concrete would squish. And it's so weird. Yeah. It, it's bizarre, but how about these footprints in August of, of 2016 in, in Gaizu, China, there were a series of footprints found, and each print was nearly two feet long. It's funny you say that. I literally just pulled up the picture a second ago of the Chinese <laughs> of these, yeah. large footprints. Yeah. yeah, and they're almost three centimeters into solid rock. Mm-hmm. I mean, three centimeters, that's not a lot. But if you're talking about I'm going to make an imprint in the rock, 
That's, you know, that's a mile right there. Mm -hmm. Now, scientists have calculated that whatever made those prints would have been over 13 feet tall. Yeah. So, you know, we're, we're up there. We're above that range where even we would think it was normal. Yep. Okay. Yep. Now, um, let's talk about the giants that have been found in Death Valley. Now, in 1931, a physician by the name of F. Bruce Russell discovered some caves and tunnels in Death Valley and decided to explore them uh, with a man named Daniel S. Bovey. Now, what they assumed to be a small cave system turned out to go on for 180 square miles. Now, one of the first things they discovered was some kind of ritual or religious hall covered in strange hieroglyphics, which the the cave drawings and 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 hieroglyphs and and petroglyphs it's also very common where they find these giant remains mm-hmm. but along with all of that they found a 9 foot tall humanoid skeleton now the story was first reported in a San Diego newspaper in 1947 and the remains were mummified and then and were estimated to be around 80,000 years old but the story just kind of went away along with the remains. Hmm. Yeah. So here's another very, um, you know, amazing discovery of these, of the skeleton and it disappears. Yep. It's a common occurrence. Yeah. Sadly. And y- you think, okay. You know, this is not the first time we've heard of some artifact that did exist that no longer exists, or we don't know where it is. Mm-hmm. You know, there's been there's been documents that have been lost. You know, there's all kinds of things. But you're going to see a pattern with these giant bones. And, you know, it's it's not just a oops. If you lost one set of giant remains, I would say that's an oops. Yeah. You know. Now, now you have, now there have been two lost and, and they're not, they're not alone. Let's talk about Lovelock Cave. Now from 2600 BC to the mid 1800s, Lovelock Cave in Nevada was supposedly in use by a race of red haired cannibalistic giants. Now, Mm -hmm. unlike other giant races, we know why this one went extinct. They were cannibals. Yeah. Which uh which it says this article says it made them very unpopular with the Paiute Indians who lived in the same area. Go figure. Very unpopular. Hey, you see them big dudes over there? Yeah. Don't mess with them. They're They'll gonna eat, eat you. you. <laughs> yep. Leave them alone. They eat you. They 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 don't fight with swords, they fight with knives and forks. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> Uh, a stew pot. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. See that one in the back? He's carrying stew pots and a salt shaker. <laughs> Why is my prison cell so round and cauldron like? <laughs> there's there's onions and carrots in here. What did you keeping yeah. me prisoner in a garden? What is going on? Man, I'm tasty. Yeah. Me flavored water. <laughs> <laughs> What are the cartoons where they're taking a bath and they're actually in a cannibal's pot? Uh-huh, and yeah. It's like, man, something smells great. What is that? 
Hey, that's me. Yeah. <laughs> but um, so it says that because the Paiute Indians didn't appreciate being lunch, um, they would have to fight them and the giants would have to retreat. And this cave was the only safe place for them to be. But even from the cave, they would continue to hunt and eat the Paiute Indians until the Paiute lit a huge bonfire at the mouth of the cave and it killed all the giants inside. So it sucked out all their oxygen and they all died. Yep. But the first evidence of these humanoids was discovered in the late 1800s and the cave was excavated from 1912 to 1924. There was a lot of stuff that was getting excavated uh, in, in that time frame. I it mean, was, there, there yeah. was stuff being dug up all over the world during those years. And, um, and they found uh, 40 storage pits uh, were uncovered and they contained thousands of duck decoys. Hmm. They were made of wood. They hmm. found fishing gear. They found sandals made of bark that were 15 inches long. <laughs> Good Lord. They found enormous moccasins, you know, beads, jewelry. They even found a wooden grasshopper. Hmm. In total, 20,000 artifacts were discovered in Lovelock Cave. Yeah. And, and the thick layer of bat guano in the cave, uh, it, it smothered the oldest storage pit. It allowed the relics to be dated back to 2600 BC. So even before Lovelock Cave was, quote, officially discovered in 1911, uh, the Paiute Indians who lived in the area knew about it for thousands of years. Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, Like a lot of things. If you'll just listen to the native peoples of the area, you might learn something, you dummy. Right. I mean, they're not. (laughs) They. They. They know more than a lot of people like to give them credit for. You yeah. Know, they're they're uh, super intelligent with a super long history of oral traditions that, like we talked about in the beginning, they're not all made up. It's not all mumbo jumbo. You know what? Um, the, us officially discovering Lovelock Cave in 1911, that's, we're like the bunch that, you know, comes into the movie late. <laughs> it's like, yep. hey, what did I miss? Oh, look at that. Hey, I found a movie. <laughs> what? I mean, it's, seriously. It's like, and it was like, Native Americans are like, look, we got here before you did. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> well, it's always like when I, um, when Ashley will ask me where something is, and I say, I don't know. And then as she's finding it, I go, hey, babe, I found it. <laughs> and when she's picking it up, I'll go, hey, I found it. But she loves kinda, that, man. Oh, she does. <laughs> She laughs and throws it at me. I think that's a sign of appreciation. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Also, out over in that same area where Lovelock Cave is, uh, they found the remains of an 11-foot giant in 1904. Oh. <laughs> I mean, in 1911, uh, James Hart and David Pugh got rights to dig and sell the guano, which they used in gunpowder in those days. Yep. Um, yep. And they had gone only a few feet into the cave when they found the body of a six foot six man and he was mummified, but the hair was distinctly red. 
Oh, yeah. And they yep. discovered other normal-sized mummies, but a few were anywhere from 8 to 10 feet tall. Um, but there were also many giant handprints embedded in the cave walls. Man, these giants, boy, they love making their mark, you know, don't they? Yep. Here, step here. It's hot. Uh, Never mind. You got to do it. Just step down. Yep. You'll be fine. (laughs) You'll be fine. I only got to do it once. I'm not asking you to walk across it. That's right. And, you know, we're now, okay, now uh, let's go go to Wisconsin. Look at how many of these are in North America. Oh, there's a ton here. Look, don't get me wrong. You know, you look at this map of of the U.S. and the Giants and or just North America, and you're like, hey, wow, that's a lot. Then expand out because there's just as many, if not more, that have been discovered in, in Europe, in Asia, um, sure, you know, South America, Africa. I mean, everywhere. You know, the, these Giants uh, have been discovered. Now, in Wisconsin, though, um, there is there's a story about a lost race of Giants that found in some burial mounds near Lake uh, Delavan in Wisconsin. And this supposedly occurred in May of 1912. Now, as reported in the New York Times on the on May 4th, 1912, on, on May 4th of 1912, 18 skeletons found by the Pearson brothers Exhibited strange and freakish uh, freakish features. Say that five times fast. Freakish Not features. Not gonna. Yes. Not gonna do it. So their heights ranged from 7.6 feet to 10 feet. And their skulls are much larger than any of the humans that inhabit America today. They tend to have a double row of teeth. Now, that's another thing that I've heard about some of these mm-hmm. North American giants is this double yep. row of teeth. Same. Um, they had these. Which I wish we had. <laughs> Me too. As somebody who Me has too. tooth <laughs> issues, I wish I had more teeth. I've said oh, this yeah. for a long time. We need evolutionarily, we should have had three sets of teeth, not two. Baby teeth, your early life teeth. And then your full adult teeth. Yeah. Because you do some stupid crap as a a teen and early 20s to your teeth that you're stuck with for the rest of your life. We should have three sets of teeth at minimum. Yeah. But go ahead. It's funny, though. I mean, we're talking about, I'm assuming we're talking about a row of teeth and then a row of teeth behind it. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So I don't understand how that would be advantageous in double chewing double Matt, come chewing on. i can really chew this up i i can double chew this because well, they had extraordinarily small uh stomachs you know yeah, so right, they had to really right. just grind everything up right or it was they, meant for biting through human bone <laughs> that's what it was it was it was gnashing <laughs> through human bone but these double row teeth guys they had elongated heads six fingers six toes and like humans appeared to come in different races. So we're not even talking about, we're talking about giants, not as a race. We're talking about an entire species with different races among it. You know, so different kinds of giants. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, they, you know, just like anything else, you know, there's not one kind of butterfly, you know, there's tons. 
Right. And there's right. some that are, it's kind of a butterfly, but it's really a moth, you know? Yeah. You know, there's, there's people like that. You know, it's like, well, he's kind of a giant, but he's really okay. You know? He's kind of a jerk. He's really. not a cannibal. I mean, Does that count for something? Half you giant, know? half jerk. I yeah. mean, but you imagine that, you know, they, they, the prom, you know, comes up and it's like, hey, eh, he's, he's not really a giant. He's only seven foot nine. You know, yeah. he just, you know, his mom's kind of tall. You know, he doesn't, he's okay. He doesn't eat people. I mean, <laughs> you know, he, he can really play guitar. You know, <laughs> can I go, Dad? This is I, this is a conversation that I I will have had in my yep. lifetime. <laughs> yep. All right, so we've we've talked about just a few of the of the giants that have been discovered and the evidence that we have that they existed. Why don't we have more of these bones? Why did some of these cases say yeah, the remains were found, they were documented, and then they disappeared? Why isn't it just common knowledge that these giants existed? You know, right. why aren't they a part of Shouldn't written be. history? You know, why don't we learn about, talk about giants when we talk about, um, you know, ancient man? Why? It, it seems like there's plenty of evidence that they were around. We talk about other, you know, other groups. You know, we talk, we talk about Cro-Magnon man. We, you know, we talk about, uh, you know, the Neolithic man. We, I mean, we, we talk about all these different, why not giants? Well, some people theorize that there was a cover up to prevent the idea of giants being a part of our planet's history um, from becoming just accepted truth. So it, over the last 100 years or so, thousands of giant skeletons have been found throughout the world. Thousands. You know, we just talked about like seven. Okay. Mm -hmm. Thousands. But especially in the, in the American Midwest. So why don't we have it? Why don't we have the evidence? One way or another, the Smithsonian Institute quickly would get their hands on most of these giant discoveries and made the evidence disappear. And you're like, Matt, really? You know, you're not even wearing your tinfoil hat tonight. Now, just hear me out. In most cases, those who exhumed the giant skeletons reported their findings immediately to the Smithsonian and naively trusted the Institute to do what was in the public interest, which was study the bones. But apparently, the Smithsonian's concept of in the public interest includes protecting Darwin's theory of evolution and the established historical narrative at all costs. And that is a quote. Uh, in other words, they, they lie to the public and say this stuff doesn't exist. You're like, okay, really? This does sound very conspiracy theorist, doesn't it? Um, but let's look at an example. Uh, this example is the Puckett Cave Giant. Now, the Puckett Cave Giant was an eight-foot skeleton discovered by then 16-year-old Billy Harmon near Stillville, Missouri. On June 15, 1933, an article ran on the front page of the Stillville Ledger 
with the accompanying photo of a six-foot man lying next to the skeleton, which measured seven and a half feet. Dr. R.C. Parker held the skeleton on display in his office, stating that with flesh, this individual would have been about eight feet tall. Now, the article went on to say that Dr. Parker had been contacted by the Smithsonian requesting that the bones be sent there for further study. Trusting the Institute, Parker boxed up the bones and sent them to Washington, D.C. Now, at that time, Dr. uh, Dr. Alice Herlechka was the director of anthropology at the Smithsonian, and this was a position that he held for over 40 years. He was the shot caller when it it came to anthropological study. And Dr. Halechka had the final say on anything that was factual and was not. So interestingly, Halechka had been known to say that the search or belief in the existence of giants was foolish and would be a career killer for any scientist. So not only did he not believe in, in the existence of giants, he thought that it would be enough to ruin a career for somebody to actually pursue it. Yeah. And this is the department head that you're sending your giant remains to. Now, of course, you know, the inference here is that Dr. Herlechka never studied the bones and either destroyed them or stored them away among the thousands upon thousands of specimens the Smithsonian receives each year. But why? Why would you do this? I mean, you would think that something like this would really be like an anthropo- uh, anthropologist, you know, dream. Oh, mm. man. But remember, it was the late 1930s. Thinking outside of the box by scientists was not encouraged, and it was no. often shamed. But for Dr. Herlechka, there was good reason for him to be skeptical because in 1912, amateur archaeologist Charles Dawson claimed he had found an unusual unusual skeletal remains and he, as he described as being the elusive missing link between apes and humans. Now, Herlechka was wary of those claims and he was right because Dawson had taken the jawbone of an orangutan with a human skull, which became known as Piltdown Man. But it was all a hoax. Right. Which further bolstered the skepticism of the scientific community. So now everybody's thinking, okay, any of these unusual remains have got to be a hoax. We've got evidence that this was a hoax right here. We even went as far as thinking we had found um, a new race of of human. And it's not real. Well, you know, mm-hmm. so it made them super skeptical about anything like that. But the question is, is because of all this, did Herlechka or and or his colleagues dismiss the bones along with many others due to fear of having their names associated with yet another hoax? I mean, it, it would certainly seem so. And but you would think after so many came in that they would say, you know, maybe there's not 300 hoaxes. Maybe I need <laughs> right. to look at, you know, how, how many ape jaw bones can they get a hold of to make 
of 500 giant skeletons that are over seven feet tall. How, you know, maybe we should actually look into this. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, it does. It, that's why I said it seems astounding, mm-hmm. but this idea that the Smithsonian, uh, actually destroyed giant remains. Um, it, it's, it's not without footing. Um, in 2015, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled uh, that the Smithsonian Institute had to admit publicly that it had been covering up and destroying tens of thousands of giant skeletal remains since the early 1900s. Mm-hmm. So the Supreme Court believed they were doing it, so much so that it forced them to admit it. That they had done it. Yep. Now, the case against the Smithsonian was made by the American Institution of Alternative Archaeology, and the irrefutable evidence came from whistleblowers within the Smithsonian who admitted to the existence of documents that allegedly proved the destruction of tens of thousands of human skeletons reaching between six feet and 12 feet in height. What's sad is that digging up something out of the ground and admitting that this could be the skeleton of a giant human has to put you in alternative archaeological section, Mm -hmm. not just archaeology. Yeah. Now, if you find it in the ground, it's archaeology. It's not alternative archaeology. I, I mean, it just, it bothers me that we there has been a precedent set by the Smithsonian that anything like that is fake or worthy of destruction or we don't need to talk about. So they had to put it in the alternative archaeological category. And and the idea that you have to preserve the known historical record as opposed to just revealing the true historical right. record. Right. Why why is it a bad thing to learn more about the earth? I, I, you know, I know. Which is what, what makes me think that they're doing the same thing to Bigfoot is because it's not within the known a- animal group. Yeah. That they're like, oh, you know, let's just cover it all up. Let's not talk about it. But it, to me, it, it, it shows that even even some of the most highly regarded institutions within the U.S. government have covered stuff up. I mean, you wouldn't even imagine that, you know, most people, when they think of the Smithsonian Institute, they think of a museum because that's where you go and see the stuff. But the Smithsonian Institute was not a museum per se. It, it was there for the study of, of these artifacts. And that's why when they would hear about them, they wanted them. Because they, they wanted to study. But in this case, they wanted them to make them go away. But listen to this. This quote, man, this quote scratches so many itches for me. Okay? And this is from James Cherwood. Uh, and he's with the, the AIAA, the American Institution of Alternat- Alternative Archaeology. Man, quit using all these alliterations. But, but Cherwood says, this quote, there have been there has been a major cover up by western archaeological institutions since the early 1900s to make us believe that America was first colonized 
by Asian peoples migrating through the Bering Strait 15,000 years ago, when in fact, there are hundreds of thousands of burial mounds all over America, which the natives claim were there a long time before they were. And that shows traces of a highly developed civilization, complex use of metal alloys, and where giant human skeleton remains are frequently found, but still go unreported in the media and news outlets. So, I mean, it gives me chills, man, to think that North America was once populated by these giant individuals. Yep. And that not only were they giant, they were here before the Native Americans, because when the Native Americans got here, they went, hey, you know, this looks like a grave, man. You know? Mm-hmm. Well, let's check it and make sure. Man, this son of a gun was huge. Mm-hmm. Okay. Leave it there. Leave yeah, it alone. Yeah, don't don't mess with that. You know, there may still be some here. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, that that is so far out of what we know in and Western, more Western history. Yeah. Yeah. And and more advanced, which, you know, pushes that whole idea that Adam and I keep bringing up that was there a more advanced race of people on this planet at one time? And mm-hmm. and that's why we have so many of these ancient mysteries. Yep. You know, and it I mean, it, I think every year more evidence shows that that's probably the case. You know, that that there mm-hmm. was an advanced race here and they are no longer here or they have hidden themselves among us. Right. So, and I've got Go ahead. I, I got a couple theories to throw throw at you and see what you think they 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 always ask why you know what is the reason for there not being giants left what what is the reason one theory i have is it's kind of a a, a dual parter they were a warring race so a lot of them died but the ones that didn't probably made it like most of the stories have with normal sized humans, the smaller humans and ended up breeding out that gene to where the dominant gene is people of stature nowadays. Mm -hmm. And yet every now and then the quote gigantism may be the, non-dominant gene from the giant race that happens to come through in certain people randomly. Or the giants did not all die out. And that's where Bigfoot comes in. Bigfoot, eight to 10 feet tall, huge feet, ancient, Pot, you know, my theory is that ancient uh, hominid mm-hmm. from way back. What if Bigfoot are remnants of a giant species that lived throughout the earth? And when Homo sapien took over, they had to go into hiding. But Bigfoot is what we call, or what the record calls giants. And so they're always like, well, we don't have any uh, archaeological evidence of Bigfoot. 
maybe we do. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's all the things that the Smithsonian has been destroying for a hundred years. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it, like I said, this touches so many aspects of what Adam and I talk about on this show. You know, it, it's the, the, just looking into giants, you know, you're, you're given so many different avenues that this impacts, you know, so many different theories that this kind of fills in the blanks for, um, even the idea that the government would, would hide kind of this kind of evidence from us, uh, in the United States. And, you know, they've done it once, you know, why, why wouldn't they do it again? Well, and the problem is this could not have all these theories. This could not be a great mystery if the Smithsonian and the scientists and stuff in during those days had not tried to uphold this strict idea of what evolution was and what the biome of the earth was and actually looked into this, researched it, maybe none of these would be, I mean, they still could be a question. We still might not know, but we might know Mm -hmm. if they had done the proper research. And nowadays with the uh, genetic testing, being, being able to map the genome of something, maybe we could map the genome of a giant and say, yeah, I mean, it, uh, this person with gigantism over here, they actually have one eighth of their genes similar to this giant skeleton we found. Mm-hmm. So it's not an abnormality. It's a recessive gene. Yeah. I don't know. So what do you guys think? I mean, you know, the evidence is there. The giants exist. What do you think happened to them? You know, Ad- Adam's theory, I think, seems as plausible as any, but. You know what? Let us know what you think. Um, you know, even if it's something about you know the the Smithsonian destroyed these uh, remains. What else have they destroyed? You know, what else have they hidden from us? Let us Big know. Foot. Yeah, Bigfoot. Bigfoot. <laughs> They're hiding Bigfoot. But but just let us know. And the best place to do that is in our Facebook group. Uh, it's called the Graveyard. Thousands of members, and it's it's incredibly active. Um, you know, jump in there, share your thoughts, share your personal experiences. We love it. No one's going to make fun of you. Uh, this is a safe place to talk about this kind of stuff. Um, you can check out our website, which is graveyardpodcast.com. And there you can find links to purchase Graveyard Tales merchandise. You can listen to the show and you can become a patron. And we thank everyone who has supported uh, the show for all these years. We, we really, really appreciate it. It's how it keeps us going. So until next time, we'll save you a seat in the graveyard. See you soon.